There's a lot of pressure these days, and the future seems more uncertain than ever. Do you feel it too? Redeemer University is a place to learn and think about how God's kingdom is at work in social work, politics, media, and more. It's an opportunity to join a diverse Christian academic community while exploring how to follow Christ in real, tangible ways. Applications submitted on Redeemer's website before January 31st will have the fee waived. Visit Redeemer.ca today. A focus listener recently wrote to us and said, My wife told me at dinner last night that she doesn't know why we're still married and that she never really loved me. I'm devastated. Dr. Clark, what would you say to that man? I'd say you got to get up, get past denial, and get on a road of aggressive, tough love as soon as you can. Well, tragically, situations like that happen all too frequently where one spouse or the other suddenly decides they want to end the marriage. And that may sound like a hopeless situation, but our guest on today's episode of Focus on the Family, Dr. David Clark, has an action plan for you where you use godly truth to do everything you can to save your relationship. You're going to hear a lot more about that today, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, we live in a throwaway culture where people don't value concepts like permanence or commitment or staying true to your word like previous generations have done. When there's conflict or disappointment, infidelity, or even apathy, too many couples are ready to give it up. And we hear from husbands and wives all the time who are desperate to rescue their marriages. And that's why we have our Hope Restored program where we provide intensive counseling over several days, offering new hope to couples who may already have divorce papers in hand. But with God's help, we've literally seen these hurting couples pull back from the brink of divorce and find restoration in their marriages. That's why Focus on the Family is here to help you in your moment of need. And I urge you to contact us right away if your marriage is struggling like that. We do have a lot of resources to help, uh, like our team of caring Christian counselors, and uh, we'd be happy to connect you with one of them when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. We'll schedule a time for a counselor to give you a call back who can listen to your story and pray with you and point you to additional help. And we'd also be uh, pleased to be able to tell you more about Hope Restored when you get in touch. Again, our number, 800-A-FAMILY, or online, we're at focusonthefamily.ca. And I mentioned Dr. Clark. He's a licensed psychologist, a marriage and family therapist, a podcast host, and author of several books. And we'll hear more about one of those today called, What to Do When Your Spouse Says, I Don't Love You Anymore. Jim, here's how you began that conversation with Dr. Clark on Focus on the Family. Like that letter I read just a moment ago, that husband or that wife, whoever is sitting in that seat and the other spouse is saying, I don't think we should be married. I don't think I ever loved you. I mean, what goes through that person's mind and heart when they hear something like that? It is just like an atom bomb exploding, and it comes out of nowhere. You're absolutely unprepared. This person that was supposed to, and said in front of a church or and, and family and friends, they would never say that, never leave you, is now saying that. I'd be okay with them saying that if right away they would say, and this is a real problem, and I've got some issues, and we need to work on this, and let's see a counselor tomorrow. But they don't say that. They're done. Absolutely 
done. What could have happened in that relationship months or years before that could help prevent that? I mean, what could they have done to not get to the last knot in the rope and let go? I think it comes down to truth. If that, Let's say it's a lady that said that. In this case, it's the lady. If she had, when she had her first resentment and the first thing that he did that she didn't like and, and something else happened and something else happened, she's, there's a stage that she goes through. If she didn't tell the truth at that time, she is going to inevitably end up with no love for this man. And he is clueless. He had no idea it was coming. Tell him the truth. Honey, this happened. I didn't like it. Let's change it. Uh, this is upsetting me. Something else is happening. She didn't say those things. And so it all builds up and she's through. What happens uh, along that journey? I can remember a discussion Jean and I had. It was a few years ago. And uh, she said, you know what? I love you, but I don't like you right now. Should that have been an alarm for me? Oh, big time. Huge red flag. And I know you responded because you're still married. I want to assure <laughs> the audience. But good for Jean. That was honesty. There's a problem here. And then you start having the conversations you have to have. How do we fix this? And with God's help, it's always fixable. Always. Mm. Talk again about that spouse, though, that is on his way or her way out the door. Is there the potential to reason with that person, or is that an irrational act? It is irrational, especially if they're Christians. And they've got the whole backstory set up. And like this lady said, they will now rewrite your whole history. I never loved you. I felt pressured to marry you. Well, baloney, show me the wedding picture with the shotgun to your head. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. It's a lie. But they've convinced themselves. If I never should have married you, now it's okay, and even okay with God, I think, to leave you, and that's not true. Why does a person, a human being, why do they concoct that false reality? Is it to soothe their emotions and to give them a way out? Oh, yeah. Deep down, this lady knows she's wrong, and she has no doubt of that. But it's way deep down. She has to somehow make this right. We always want to make our sin right and blame somebody else. She's blaming her husband. She may be blaming God, maybe blaming uh, the kid and other pressures. I don't know. But she's trying to make herself feel better. Right. You apply scripture, which there's Matthew 18. And, and I think, Dr. Clark, you're right. But I don't know that many of us would think of that scripture as a marriage scripture. Yeah, and I'm convinced it is. It covers a lot of sins. In fact, every sin. But it certainly is a marital sin. And when you hear those words, I don't love you anymore, unless it's followed by, and let's fix this, that's a sinful statement. You don't get to say that and not be sin. So you have to respond as if they're sinning and confront the sin. Now, that's Matthew 18, to uh, you know, confront that sin. And if the person doesn't hear you, bring someone else. Is that what you should do? Right away. Right in your marriage. Boom. You confront individually, and it might take a week or two because you've got to get through the denial stage and what's happening here. Mm -hmm. But you should never chase and beg and plead because that just legitimizes what they're doing. Yeah, it is your fault, and you're trying hard. I'm through with you. You've got to actually push back and say, no, you're sinning. Of course, they have, we have marriage issues, you'd say, but those can all be fixed. We both know Jesus, don't we? And so the pushing back is important. I'm going to confront you. If you don't respond to that, I'm going to take one or two witnesses, people that you know. In this case, it's a woman. You'd get godly women from your church that know her, could be even family members that you will bring in, and they will confront her. If that doesn't work, you take it to the church leaders, and you ask them to intervene. And godly pastors and their staffs hopefully will do that. And my sense of that scripture is it should happen rapidly. Marriage is so sacred. And Satan is pushing his agenda like a freight train. When you hear those words, they already have their plan in place. Well, in fact, when you hear, let's put it now on the man's side, when you hear a man who says, you know what, I don't love you anymore. I don't know if I ever loved you. You say in your book that 
it's most likely he already has had or is in the middle of an affair. Is that typical with your experience? Oh, yeah. 85%. Nothing less than that. He's got someone else. He's actually in the relationship. It's on the emotional level. May have gone sexual. Or he's singled someone out. He's playing with someone. And or he's in another area of sin. It's always sin, but very often it's somebody else. Let me ask you this basic question. What pushes us there? Why are we, as Christians, why would we open that door? What is happening in us that makes us want to go through that evil door that is going to destroy your life Mm -hmm. and the life of your children and your spouse? It It goes all the way back to the garden. Satan offers us what looks like the answer to all of life's questions on your terms. And you don't need God to get this kind of happiness and pleasure. So initially we drift from God. Every case I've ever heard, I will say, well, what was your spiritual life like back when you were making these decisions? Every time, well, it wasn't very good. Lack of quiet time, lack of church attendance. So a moment of weakness. Right. And that comes because if I'm close with God and listening to him, I'm still going to be tempted, but I'm going to be able to resist. Plus, I don't have a relationship of truth and honesty with my spouse. That's the second problem. So when I start to get tempted... I need to tell Sandy. That's the person I must tell. If I don't tell her, then it becomes a secret and I continue to drift from her, thinking, foolishly, I can handle this. I think I'll take care of this on my own. No, I can't. Eventually, and Satan knows he's got me at that point, that's where you lose in the first couple of steps of sin, not at the end. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Looking for advice on how to become a better parent? Or perhaps some tips on keeping your relationship with your spouse fresh and exciting. Focus on the Family Canada invites you to join listeners from across the country as they tune into the daily broadcast with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Get the free app for your Apple, Android, or Windows mobile device and receive inspirational, godly encouragement when you need it most. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. At Focus on the Family Canada, we're always seeking to meet the changing and growing needs of your family. That's why we've developed our free Focus on the Family magazine. It's spiritually grounded and relevant to your needs. Get your free subscription at focusonthefamily.ca. Find parenting tips, practical marriage guidance, useful advice on media, and encouraging ways to help your family grow in Christ. Sign up for your free subscription of Focus on the Family magazine today. Visit focusonthefamily.ca. Reinforce biblical values in your children with fun, hands-on activities from Focus on the Family's Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior magazines. Kids love this entertaining magazine, filled with challenging puzzles and exciting stories all designed to help your children build good character and a strong foundation in God. To order your Focus on the Family magazine subscription to Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, David, it seems that uh, there would be telltale signs. You said earlier that the person that says, I don't love you, usually has thought that out really well. The person hearing it oftentimes is kind of caught flat-footed, unaware. Aren't there signs that something's going on deep down inside? Doesn't the spouse know something's not right? Well, there's... You can trust your intuition. Women especially have an intuition. And after they've heard the bombshell, they'll often say, you know what? I did think something was wrong, but I didn't want to believe it. I say, baby, go with your gut. 
Now we know what's happened now. So women need to listen to your intuition. They've got it. And, and God will find a way to let you know something's not right here. If your husband is not as into you as he was before, don't explain that away with work and stress. Just acknowledge that as a fact. That's a warning sign. And the classic symptoms of an affair would be um, working out more, different clothes, wanting to, lo- wanting to look better, unexplained absences. But the bottom line is there's something wrong in the relationship. Very few people can maintain a loving, intimate bond with God and their spouse and have an affair. Can't be done. So they're not doing it. Hmm. But you don't want to go to that horrible place, and so you don't. You just assume, well, it's stress or something else, or this is a phase of our marriage. Don't do that. If you're seeing those signs, you have nothing to lose to say, I think something's wrong. Because at that point, before disaster happens, you might just be able to get the truth and get it on the table. Um, move to the next step in this. Let's say the you know the confrontation has occurred. It's happened, and the emotional um, bang has happened, and now you're trying to the next day pick up the pieces. What are the right things to do for a spouse to lay the groundwork for this to be honoring to God and to hopefully be saved? What should she or he be doing with that spouse that has been, um, you know, the infidelity has existed? What does day two look like? So we start right away. We want to see repentance. We want to see the person that's been sinning broken and repentant, and I'm so sorry, and owning all the sin. If they don't do that, you don't have anything, and you're going to have to go into tough love. But if you do have that, the first trip I would say would be to your pastor. Let's sit down with our pastor. We know him. We love him, and we speak truth. He prays with us. There's some spiritual growth things a pastor can do. He can get the man who, let's say it's the man that's been involved in the affair. He will be involved in a group setting uh, and have accountability. Then you're going to make the final phone call. You might see a Christian psychologist quickly, too, like myself, to guide you through the process. But there's a final phone call. You're going to have your husband call that other woman and with the wife listening and end that relationship. My wife is listening. It was awful. I never loved you. It's sinful. I'm embarrassed. I, I basically, I'm rejecting you. Never contact me again. Hang up. That closure is important. You want to make that person feel bad and go away. The warm, fuzzy last meeting never works. That's a continuation of the affair. What also doesn't work is, honey, I've, I've had the affair, but I called her. You didn't hear it, but I had a last meeting, and I took care of it. That No, we don't know what you said. There's no trust here. I want to know exactly what you said. Furthermore, you'll have your husband who was involved in the affair, and the guy that's repentant will do all these things without batting an eye. He better. Or there'll be some more tough level we'll get into. He takes an AIDS test and an STD test uh, right away screening for the nastier venereal diseases, and, and uh, of course, AIDS is serious. That lets him know how serious this is. We test now. We test in six months. The wife's also going to have to get tested. Now, you're going to tell me the whole truth about what you did. You're going to allow me to ask questions. There's going to be a lot of intense conversation. We hit it head on directly. Any attempt to skip that will ruin the marriage. You'll never trust again. And even if you limp along as a married couple, it won't be very good. Mm. Let me ask this question. The, um, the spouse that's been wounded, um, she has a biblical reason to end the marriage. In your experience as a counselor, um, what is the right thing to do? What is the good thing to do? And it may come down to case by case, but what have you seen in the thousands of couples that you've counseled? What is good? Well, I think what is good, and I will always recommend this, I never recommend divorce even if there's a, a biblical reason. She does have that in this situation. But God wants the greater glory, and he wants to restore this couple. So if the man is truly repentant, and we'll go through a series of very tough steps over the next five, six months, 
literally, it can be the best marriage anybody ever had. You have seen that. I have seen it hundreds of times. No ill effects, no lingering cloud. No, I can't trust him really much anymore. That's Satan's lie. God's a God of total restoration. If you do it his way, repentance, brand new marriage, they're sitting there. They don't believe me because they can't believe that could happen. Our marriage is gone. I say, yes, your marriage is gone. Your first marriage is over. No doubt. Bury it. It's done. We're going to start fresh now, and we're going to build a new one with God's help. So I never recommend the divorce. I've had women that have made that choice, and you have to respect it. But I think if the man is really repentant, there's a greater story, and it could be totally restored. Uh, okay, so there is somebody that um, truly is repentant, um, but there have to be people that you've worked with where you just don't know. I mean, how can you tell if that, uh, that guilty party really is repentant? Now, every step I recommend I think is biblically based, I'm convinced of it, and is good for healing, but it's also a test. Everything I ask for is a test, and attitude is everything, and you can just tell. Will you... I actually have them not only verbally describe everything that happened over and over and take the wife's comments, and, and if she wants to talk about the affair, you will. If it's 2 in the morning, every question is a good question. You let her vent, and you're sorry, and you're working with her. I actually have the, the sending spouse write out what I call the document. He will write out the story of his affair like a novel. It's the worst thing you could ever ask someone to do. I want all the truth. You're going to read it here in my office next week. I mean, if a guy that will do that without flinching and go, I will do it, is a man that's changing. That's a heart change. Wow. He'll take the test. He'll go to the pastor. He'll go to the sexual addiction group if it's a sexual addiction problem. Also, I'll ask him, now this is, we're talking about this relationship. I now, over the course of your marriage, are going to ask you to tell your wife everything you've ever done in the sexual scenario. Oh my goodness. There's pornography has probably been, and that's Satan's, one of his uses of pornography. He doesn't want it to end there. It's awful enough. He wants you to have an actual woman. He's not mm. going to be satisfied until he does. So we're going to have the document also include pornography, any flirting, uh, any strip clubs. I mean, anything that would be inappropriate. We're going to dump everything out now because we don't want to find out later that we missed something. Well, you set a high, high bar for performance for that guilty person. Boy, I do. And it's intended to bring about healing and also to make sure that they truly are repentant. Right. These guys, when they hear me go over this and they read the book, the ones that flush out, flush out right away. How dare, they're angry at me. How dare you ask me to do these things? I'll say, how dare you do what you did? How do you, how do you, they'll get angry, their character assassinate me, and they'll find another counselor that will do it the wimpy way. Let's skip the affair and even say, and there are pastors that still do this and Christian counselors that will blame the wife for her husband's affair. Mm. She has 0% um, culpability. Zero. Dead zero. When you sin, you sin. Now, second phase, we get to the marriage. Sure, there were marriage problems. That's no excuse for sin. God would never hold for that. When you sin, you sin alone and you sin before God and you have to answer to him. So when we get to the second phase, after you've helped your wife heal from what you've done, now we'll fix the marriage. And that's where your wife, of course, has, has responsibility. But I, I draw an absolute you know, cut line between what you did with this other woman and your wife. And I want to ask the obvious question. When you have that spouse that uh, hears you and doesn't respond, isn't uh, into healing the marriage, what should the offended spouse do? You go into hyperdrive. You're angry in a righteous way, and you're going to gather your support team, and you're going to really push back. Now we have a serious sinner on our hands, even more than what he did, which means you're going to have one or two witnesses confront him. And in the meantime, you're going to say, you know what, buddy? I'm done with you. You turn the tables. You say you're done with me. Uh Uh-oh, no, I'm done with you. And I'm through with you until and unless you follow a series of steps to get me back. So you turn the tables totally. It takes strength and power to do that. Mm. 
and you need some support in order to have the guts to do it. But shoving back, I've seen that work many times. As much as 80 or 90% of cases, when you really get tough, they can turn around if you're tough enough. So one or two witnesses, I'm going to the church. And then if he doesn't respond to that, then we get the end stage of Matthew 18, the, the passage in 17, treat him as a pagan or a tax collector, which means you shun him for a full month. You're through with him and you bring that. You don't sit with him in church. You're not in the same bed. The kids know what's going on. They may not know what's happening, but they're gonna, they know that dad's made a serious mistake and you're in shunning mode and then you'll seek to physically separate if you have a guy that's not breaking. Uh, David, let me ask you this. You know, uh, in the Christian community, we're taught about forgiveness. We're taught about not letting the sun go down on your anger. And, uh, you know, these are serious moments, potentially, in someone's life that need serious responses, and that's what you're saying. But it is, it feels like everything that you've conditioned your life to be like under the lordship of Christ, to turn the other cheek, to be kind toward those who are harming you. You're saying there is a time for righteous anger. Help me better understand that so I'm not confused as that wife. Um, it's okay to be mad because my whole Christian life I've been told it's not okay to be mad. I'd refer the woman, and I'll often read this in my office, Malachi 2.16, where God says, I hate the man who betrays his wife. That's pretty strong. That's righteous anger from God himself. Other verses, Ephesians, of course, 4.26, be angry and you do not sin. Don't let the sun go down your anger. Now, that doesn't apply here because you're going to be angry for two or three months. That's a healthy, normal reaction. That's how God made us. You confront the sinner, and you can do that in loving anger when he's harmed you so terribly. So you're responding in that way, making it a big, big crisis because it is a big crisis. Mm. And that's what's actually going to change his heart. Rather than the traditional Christian approach, which is still the most popular, well, here's the woman that's been the victim. I, I am a little overweight, and I haven't been a good wife, and it must be partly my fault. And if I just love him more and, and really change as a wife, he'll drop this miserable person, and, and he'll love me. That never, ever works in 30 years. Never seen it work. It never will, because that's not what is required. Why does a woman tell herself those things? Mm. Because it's denial. She doesn't want to face the horrible truth. It's a way to kind of ease out. If I'm in some way responsible for this, then I can fix this if, with my own behavior. And at the same time, I can avoid really facing the horrible thing he's done. I want to minimize that. Well, it's just human nature trying to protect yourself. And a couple of weeks of that is normal in this process. My job as a therapist in writing this book is to get people out of that phase as quick as I can. I got to ask you, though, and I, your intensity sparks this question. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love it, the forthrightness of it and the truth of it. What has been going on in that other, in the offender that has led them down this horrible path? What, what is in their heart that they've bought the lie? Good question. I'll, I'll, I try to temper it with, you know what, you're driving your car off a cliff. I'm being very hard on you because I'm the only guy on the road now, along with your wife, maybe a close friend or two, that is in the road saying, don't drive your car over a cliff. So I'm actually loving you. It's tough love, but I'm loving you. And if you will stop the sin, God requires you to stop the sin, not to figure it out and stop it. Stop it. Once you've stopped it out of faith in God alone, then we can, we'll figure out how this happened. And part of the document and part of the process is figuring out how Satan got you. Because if we don't figure that out, he'll get you the same way again. 
He's good at what he does. And it probably goes back to your childhood and rejection by your previous spouse and issues in your marriage. Okay, oh, let's look at all that stuff. But you own the sin. But part of the process is just that, Jim. We find out what went wrong. Wow. Part of the healing. We have really talked about some, you know, gut-wrenching things yeah, today, John. Intense, yeah. um, we've talked about how we fall out of love, how we must approach the sin of our spouse by using the model found in the Bible in Matthew 18. And, and I think, Dr. Clark, you're right. Um, we need to still talk about more, though, how we get on that road to recovery, how we deal uh, directly with those sin issues, and what to do if your spouse isn't willing to do the work after several months. What's that next step? Can you stay with us? And let's continue the tough talk. Thanks. I'd like to. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, and our guest has been Dr. David Clark discussing his book, What to Do When Your Spouse Says, I Don't Love You Anymore. John, David has provided some hard-hitting advice about confronting sin and brokenness in our marriages, and I'm sure many of our listeners have been challenged by what he shared today. We get a lot of response from people when Dr. Clark is on. Maybe this conversation has stirred up concerns about the state of your marriage, and you're wondering, what do I do next? First, let me encourage you to pray. Ask God to direct your steps and give you wisdom about how to proceed. That's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And you may want to talk with a pastor or a counselor, or contact us here at Focus on the Family. We want to help you rescue and strengthen the relationship with your spouse. We've mentioned our counseling team and Hope Restored many times. We have resources available for you, and we're ready to assist you in any way we can. Our number is 800-A-FAMILY. That's 800-232-6459. Uh, call and request a consultation with one of those caring Christian counselors or ask for more information about our marriage intensives, Hope Restored, and all the other resources we have to help your marriage. You can also connect with us online at focusonthefamily.ca. And Jim, we've seen so many marriages transformed when people reach out to us, and we're so honored that God has used this ministry focused on the family to help hurting couples. In fact, John, we recently heard from a woman living in West Virginia. We'll call her Rachel. And Rachel described how she had become very dissatisfied in her 25-year marriage and was feeling bitter and hard-hearted toward her husband. Rachel was ready to leave, but thank God uh, she felt convicted in her heart and cried out for God's help instead. Miraculously, a short time later, she received the Focus on the Family magazine in her mailbox. With a pounding heart, she read every article. Mm. And then she spent the next three days listening to the Focus on the Family podcast. Rachel wrote this in response. God has performed a great work in my marriage, and he chose to use Focus on the Family as my main source of help. Mm. Although my marriage isn't where I want it to be just yet, we are learning and growing. I feel like God is leading me to be a marriage and family counselor. I believe that he wants to use my testimony to help others find their way to a better marriage. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And John, that's uh, simply amazing. And a big part of that thank you needs to go to so many of our friends who have faithfully supported the ministry. I'm talking to you, those of you that donate, because of your generous giving, we've been there to rescue hurting marriages just like Rachel's. Now, if we haven't heard from you in a while, or you've never supported Focus on the Family, let me invite you to become a monthly partner with us. Your monthly pledge will help us better plan and allocate resources to meet the needs of so many families during this 
new year. Um, let me just ask, can we count on your financial support today? Please do contact us uh, about your donation, and the monthly pledge really helps, as Jim said. Uh, even a one-time gift, though, does make a difference. And when you get in touch, be sure to ask for your copy of Dr. Clark's book, What to Do When Your Spouse Says, I Don't Love You Anymore. This reminder that when you purchase resources directly from Focus on the Family Canada, a part of those proceeds go right back into strengthening and rescuing marriages like we've heard about today. So please be generous with your support of Focus Canada today. Again, our phone number, 800-A-FAMILY, or you can donate online and get that book at focusonthefamily.ca. And be sure to join us next time for part two of our conversation with Dr. Clark. For now, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family, and do plan to be with us again next time as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.